Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Are you willing to wait on him? How long? How long would I wait on him? How far would I go with him? I'm excited for the word of the Lord tonight. And I will preface this, how many messages have been prefaced before, is it's just as much for me as it is for you, which is exciting. We're going to Isaiah 64, reading one verse as we begin. But we all, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Tonight, just for for a couple minutes, we're going to talk about faith and filthy rags. Faith and filthy rags. Let's pray for just a moment. God, in this place tonight, you have brought a word, and I pray you would deliver it. I pray you would speak a perfect word through imperfect lips. I pray, God, all glory and honor would be unto you, that you would feed these people. God, that you would speak a word so timely and so perfect as you always do. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Faith and filthy rags. You can be seated. So I know those of you that were here uh, about a month ago when I preached, you're probably wondering if I've developed a split personality because we talked about your worth last time I was here, and now we're talking about your filthy rags. But have no fear. I'm not contradicting myself, at least not right here. The last half of that verse in the amplified version, I'd like to read it. And our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, like the wind, takes us away. It carries us from God's favor and towards destruction. That is the only fruit of unrighteousness. That is the only fruit of the things I can create with my own hands, of the things you can create with your own hands. They're like filthy rags. My righteousness is like filthy. Think about that. That's a really, really strong statement if you think about it. Because what are filthy rags good for? Nothing. You know what they're really good at 
is getting that filth all over you. If you've ever tried to use a rag in the natural, you get some grease on a rag, what happens? You end up with an entire tube somehow all over you, more over you than on the rag. So a rag, a filthy rag, what's it good for? It's soiled, it's past its usefulness. So then where does that leave us? What do we do? What do I do with these filthy rags? The works that I do without God are filthy rags. Even though I have the best of intentions, even though I may be doing good, quote unquote, things, if it's not with God, it's nothing more than a filthy rag. I can share my testimony, but if I'm sharing it to be prideful, it's just a filthy rag. I can share something with someone to encourage them, but if I'm just doing it to boast myself up, it's just a filthy rag. So I, I, I want us, by the end of this, uh, this night, I want us to, to kind of inventory ourselves and think on ourselves, think about what we do, what's our, what's our motivation in things. Is, is all that we do saturated in prayer? Is all that we do submitted to him? Because if it's not, it's in grave danger of being a filthy rag. Because I want every single thing I do to be good. Don't you? I want everything I do to bring him glory. I don't want to bring a big pile of nasty rags. I want to bring something good. And the only way I can bring something good is if I cast those rags at his feet and say, God, I can't do anything good. But you can. You have cleaned this mess up. And you're able to do something wonderful. But only you are able to do it. Righteousness from that verse where it talks about our righteousness is as filthy rags. When we look at that definition there from its original text, and I'm going to read it. It's a little choppy, but permit me because it, it kind of sets us here. It is rightness, the, the amount of something that is right in its abstract form. It is subjectively rectitude. It is objectively justice. It is morally virtuous. It is figuratively prosperous. It is justice. It is moderately right. It is righteousness, and it is actly so it's more than just what we do. It's how we act. It's how we think. It's the thoughts we allow to live for a little too long in our heads. That is the righteousness. It, it can continue to something far further than something I do with my hands or something I say with my mouth. It's where do my feet take me? It's where do I go when no one's looking? It's what do I think when I think no one's looking? Filthy rags. If I don't cut my opinions down at some points, they can become filthy rags. Even if I think I'm right, even if I can look at things that are going on at a church, not this church, but at a church, and say, well, that pastor, let me tell you, here's the facts, here's my opinion. Those are filthy rags. Those are things we must cast away. Even if you think you're helping, even if you think, well, I'm just helping to, 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 to pull out these things that need fixed. We think our perception in life is so keen and so sharp, but God reminds us time and time we can be righteous is where we're in complete submission to him. Amen. Complete submission to him. It doesn't matter my opinion. It doesn't matter where I think I fall in the matter. What matters is how do I line up with this? That's it. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter any of that. How good I perceive an act to be. If it doesn't line with this, 
It's not any good. Won't you turn to your neighbor and say, eh, looks good to me. Looks good to me. We're going to Genesis chapter 3. So I've talked about this before, but I've thought about it more, and I'm becoming more and more convinced. Genesis chapter 3. I'm becoming more and more convinced that the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was meant for Adam and Eve later. Follow me here. God does not create bad things, right? Everything he made was what? Good. It was good. Every single thing that he made in the garden was good. He told them not to eat it. That's what made it bad. But the fruit itself was not necessarily bad because he made everything and said it was good. So then what makes it bad? The timing. The going against the commandment is what makes it bad. God does not create things to tempt us. He does not look at me throughout my day and be like, all right, what can I do today to slip up that silly little man? No, he looks at it and says, how can I help him? The enemy, the devil steps up and says, how can I trick him today? How can I take something good and put it in his path and convince him to think it's something or vice versa? It's late. Genesis 3, I should move on. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. Somebody say opened. Her eyes will be open. How exciting. She'll know things she didn't know before. She'll be able to perceive things she didn't know before. She will be wise. How wonderful. That's exciting for Eve. And you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, somebody say she saw it. She saw it. She did. And a tree was good for food. And it was pleasant to the, it looked real good. Oh man, there ain't nothing wrong with that tree. I don't know what God's talking about. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. She saw it was good. And the reason she saw that it was good, based on our thought experiment we did a couple minutes ago, is because the fruit probably was okay. It was probably fine. But it wasn't time yet. God didn't tell her to eat the fruit yet. All right? So I want you to follow that in your life. There's some things in your ministry. There's some things, and God has plans, but some really, really, really cool things God has planned for you. But if it ain't time yet, it's filthy rags. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause some chaos. Because what happened immediately after Eve ate the fruit? She gave it to her husband, and then he ate. And then what happened? Domino after domino after domino. You see them filthy rags in Eve's hands? And I'm not putting it all on Eve. Adam was there too, little wimp. But there were rat, these filthy rags that they were playing with, and they were just trying to clean it up. They were like little kids with rags trying to clean up this stain, but they just keep smearing it. They just keep messing it up. Well, God, I'm just trying so hard to clean up this mess. It just, it just keeps getting worse. And then what happened? Then we're scared to bring it to God. Because it started with just this little thing, and then all of a sudden, oh, I don't know how this happened. Uh, this was not, so, I was not supposed to get caught. I was, I'd repented of that. This was, I was putting this away, and then now I'm trying to clean it up, and some, ah, uh, what happened? That's why we don't mess with filthy rags. That's why when we mess up, we go back and we say, God, 
I'm sorry. Because when you take filthy rags to try to clean up filthy rags, it just gets worse. So the timing was everything in this story. It was everything. Because if they had waited, what would have happened? We don't know. I don't know. I just like asking questions we don't know the answers to. We don't know. But what we do know is God had something wonderful planned for them. And because they were tempted with something that could have been good, that was good, just wasn't time yet, threw everything for a curve. So the same in your life. I want to encourage you. God has amazing things for you. He has wonderful plans for you. And that's where faith comes in because we have to wait. That's a really cool thing about leading worship before I preach. I get to pick my songs. That was a nice setup, huh? But we have to wait. Faith helps us to wait because didn't understand why she had to wait. She didn't understand what would happen when she broke that covenant. She didn't understand they would be kicked out of the garden. She didn't understand all these things would be set into motion. This filthy rag after filthy rag just smearing and smearing and smearing. They came. How long? How long do I have to wait? How long? How long do you have to wait for your promise? What is your promise? How, how long? We don't know. And that is the hardest thing. Do you ever go to prayer sometimes and you feel like you're just trying to get the inside scoop? You're like, God, I love you. You're so good. What's going on? What's new? That thing you promised me, what's happened with it? Anything happen? Did they fill out the paperwork? Did they call the pastor? Did something cool happen? What you got? By the way, I love you, Lord. By the way, you're great. Anything new? We're just trying to get into this because we don't know the timing. We don't know what's happening, how it's happening, and that is faith. When you're walking where you cannot see or you're not walking at all, then what happens when you take off walking? You find a whole box of filthy rags because when we step out of timing, when we step out of alignment with God's plan, just because we get impatient, just because we get in a hurry, just because we think things should be moved. I really want to do something good for you, God, and you've showed me this. Why can't I put my hands on Why can't I get ready for it? It's not time yet. Exodus 32, reading starting with one. And when the people saw, here we go again. Turn to somebody and say, they saw it. They saw it. That Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain. The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us, for as, this, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, he wot not what is become of him. And when Aaron saw it, he saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down. Go down, for your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. They've made them a molten calf, and they've worshipped it. And they've sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be the gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. So what happened here? They got impatient. Something amazing was about to happen. Moses was about to come down from the mountain with tables of stone that were written with the finger of God, giving them a blueprint how to live their lives. 
giving them all the answers. And then what happened? They got out of alignment. They got in a hurry to do something. They got in a hurry and said, I don't know where he's going. I see he ain't coming back. I see he'd been up on that mountain for a long time. What's going on? We're waiting, Aaron. We're waiting. What's happening? Moses said something crazy was about to happen, but nothing's happening. So the same we look at it in our lives. God, you said something cool was about to happen. You said something wonderful was going to happen. I've been praying about this, and you've been, you've been opening this. What, what's happening? God, why aren't you talking to me? Swinging from the can lights. But sometimes that's how life is. We just have to wait. Sometimes we're on the mount, and sometimes we're in the valley waiting for the people that are on the mount. We're waiting for the promises. That doesn't make the promises any less valuable. In fact, it makes them more valuable because we have to wait for them. Because the things I can make right now instead of the promises are just filthy rags. If I hurry and get, and get in a mess and say, you know what? I think I got enough of the dots, God. Thank you. I'll just I'll fill the rest myself. It's like a, one of those number dot picture thingies. I'll just go ahead and clean it up, making a mess. So I want to encourage us tonight to slow down and wait. To wait. Because God's doing something special in this season, in this moment. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want to hurry up and say, well, I think we can see what we need to do in our community, in our church, in this, or my family, or my job. Let's just wait. Let's let faith supersede these filthy rags. Let's let faith supersede these works that I can do with my own hands. We all know Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. When I don't saturate every decision in my life in prayer, I'm just in danger of making a bunch of filthy rags, of running through and making one mistake after another. And I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm not trying to, to, to scare you into doing anything. But I just want us to slow down and make sure in this season we're here. We're present. Just because things aren't moving the way we think they should be moving doesn't mean things are not exciting. Doesn't mean that God's not doing some things that we can't see right beyond the veil, right beyond the fog, right above the clouds. The seasons of waiting can break us down. The seasons of waiting can grind us. Or we can look at it like the seasons of waiting mold us and they shape us and they prepare us. How many, do, how many of us like sitting in traffic? And I ain't talking Medora traffic where you just happen to catch the tractor in town going across. I'm talking like city traffic where am I going to get home tonight? <laughs> Why don't we like sitting in traffic? What's the reason we don't like sitting in traffic? We're in a hurry because I got somewhere to be <laughs> and I got no time to get there. And the biggest thing is I have zero control over what's going on. I have no control. If I knew how long I was going to sit there, I might be okay because then I can form another plan. Then I can start making, wait, hold on a second. I'm not supposed to do that. But when we're sitting there in life, in spiritual traffic, if you will, we don't see what's ahead. 
We have zero control over what's going on. God's opening doors when he opens the doors. Not when I think it's ready. Not when I think that plan's good and ready, Lord. Go ahead now. But we have to let faith take control. To say, God, I don't have to see all of your plans. I don't have to see all this stuff going on to know that it's going to be good. That what you're making will be good if I can wait for it. If I don't get in a hurry and do something myself, God's going to do something wonderful. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, being assembled together with them, commanded them. Jesus commanded them. This is after the, the death and burial and resurrection. He commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Talk about being professionals at waiting. That's pretty impressive. They'd heard about it, but they didn't really know what it was. They always ask, well, what is, it? what is this thing? What is this thing? What is it going to look like? And this is where I step into my imaginations. What's this going to look like, Jesus? When's this going to happen? How's this going to look? But he just said, go and wait. He didn't say how long. He just told them, don't leave and wait. Don't leave and wait. Now, I'm going to step completely outside of factual events here. What would have happened? We're just going to travel here on some nonsensical journeys. What happens if Peter, who was, who was prone to, to do things rather quickly, what happens if Peter gets, gets a little anxious? And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go. You guys let me know what happens. I'm going to go and preach. I'm going to go and do ministry. I'm going to go and do miracles. I'm going to go and do the things that Jesus has done with us for years. I'm going to go do that. Is that a good thing? It looks like a good thing. Seems like a good thing. It's what they did with Jesus. Of course, it's a good thing. Silly people. But that's not what Jesus told them to do. So it doesn't matter in this life how much it looks like a good thing or how much it seems like, well, this is a great thing. Of course it is. We still have to proceed carefully because if God didn't send us there, then we're not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to be there. So the reason Peter had to wait, because if Peter would have went off and preached and taught and did miracles and this, that, and the other while they were waiting, what happens? They have a revival of 120 Things start to creep out in the street. And then these guys come up and are like, these guys are just drunk on new wine. And you don't have Peter, the boisterous, not willing to step down from a, from a skirmish to say, no, this isn't what you think it is. They're not drunk like you suppose. But this is that. You don't have any of that. So because he was patient, we have all of that. So what is there in your life that you will have because you're patient? Because your faith is strong. Because your faith waits because it cannot see. Yeah. What is it? What will it be? In the book titled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, it's a fantastic book. This is unsponsored. 
John Mark Comer. He says, hurry and love are incompatible. He goes on to say, all my worst moments as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, even a human being are when I was in a hurry, late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day. He goes on to say, I was oozing anger, tension, a critical nagging, the antithesis of love. So when we hurry, when we get in a rush about these things. We see parts of the plan and we just want to fill in the rest of the blank. It's like, all right, God, I got this. I'll take off. That is not love. That is not faith. That is your flesh chomping at the bit to make some filthy rags. But we must resist the urge. Can you stand with me, please? And I, I, I want us to just kind of have, a, have some prayer here. To say, God, is there any place I'm hurrying? Is there any place my faith is waxing thin? Is there any place that, that my, my desire to do things overrides my desire to do things for you? Where the deeds of my hands outweigh the devotion of my heart. Because, Lord, all I want is to serve you. It's not about serving myself with stacked up deeds. It's about serving you with however many or how few things that you see fit. God, I just want to serve you. I just want to serve you. I want my faith to hold me where you have me. I want my faith to keep me knowing that you do all things good no matter how I see them, no matter my opinions, no matter my outlook, no matter the forecast. God, I know you do all things good. So let my faith be strong in knowing you're doing a good thing and I have to wait. Can we lift our voices together right now? God, help me not to be rushed past your presence. Help me to be not hurried past your work. Help me not to get in such a commotion that I miss the whole point, that I miss your move, that I miss your plan, that I hurry up and try to make something happen myself because I'm tired of waiting. And then I just get some filthy rags. Lord, right now, we're waiting on you, Lord. We want something wonderful to happen in your timing, in your plan, for your purpose, in your people. Right now, Lord, we wait on you. Right now, Lord, we search for you. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.